You're listening to the Resurgent ATL Church Podcast. We hope you enjoy today's message. Hey guys. First I want to thank Chris and Terry for letting me speak today. And, uh, and you all for the prayers uh, for Cheryl and I over the past few months. 22 started out as a bad year for us, but it's getting better every, every day. Uh, so, so I do want to share a, a bunch today, but first I got somebody asked, how come you hang up, the, you say you hang up a phone? And then I felt like I was 90 years old. <laughs> I mean, think about it. How many of you still hang up a phone? You know, where do you have a phone that hangs up? Nope. You, you, back when I was a kid, you know, you had a cord that would go from here, probably over to here, and maybe halfway to the speaker there, before you, so you could get away from your parents to talk. You know, now you got cell phones, and you can talk anytime you want to, or you can play with them anytime you want to, or you can play with them right now if you want to. You get bored with me, that's fine. <laughs> Except I'll see you, so so hopefully not. Uh, as you all know, most of you know that uh, Cheryl and I both got COVID in January. Uh, I got it first and gave it to her. Typical. But, uh, <laughs> but uh, we've been traveling uh, Christmas up to Connecticut, back here, back everywhere else and around. And, uh, and then, now we'll use this chair. And then we got, we got COVID and <clears throat> I came down with a headache and a little fever. And I talked to John and Biddy and Bud and Kathy, well, Biddy had COVID, Kathy had COVID, John and Bud were too ornery to get it, so, <laughs> so the, they never got it, but so then uh, I took three tests, and all three tests came back negative, so for the first six days, every test I took said negative, but I kept having a fever and kept having, you know, just a sore throat, that was about it. So then we got in touch with some doctors and took some medicine and everything. And this one doctor said, well, you're probably, probably too late to take the hydroxychloroquine and the ivermectin, although I'd been taking ivermectin to help because uh, you're day six, day seven, and you might get uh, in the storm by about day nine. And day nine, I went and took the antibodies, and I thought that was good. But nothing helped. By by, two days later, I by by day seven, I passed. I checked uh, positive. Anyway, long story short, by the seventeenth, I was going downhill fast. I was just uh, high fever, low oxygen. My daughter, who's a nurse, and Cheryl both said, "You need to go to the hospital." So finally, I said, "Okay." So they drove me. Cheryl drove me and dropped me off at the emergency room, and I came in. Left there, she she went home because I didn't know what was going, how long it would be. I figured they'd give me some oxygen and I'd come home. Well, after that, two hours later in the emergency room, they said I had double pneumonia, COVID pneumonia, and they were admitting me to ICU whenever they could get a uh, room. So you're sitting there in the hospital and I see, you know, getting ready to ICU. I slept a couple couple hours in the emergency room probably, and being a pilot and having been in the military, you know that you sleep whenever you get a chance because you never know when you might might not get to sleep so and sleeping is is really good for you so so I was able to get some sleep and in a hospital especially you're lucky you get two or three hours good sleep a night 
because they're always coming, at, you know, at 4 o'clock in the morning, they're prodding me and wanting to take some blood and to check my sugar level. I said, are you kidding me? I hadn't eaten. At 4 o'clock in the morning, it's got to be the lowest sugar level I'm ever going to have. And so, anyway, stuff like that. Now, they did a really good job. And I, the hospital was really, really great. And I don't have anything bad to say about that except for the fact that they prod and poke you all the time. But, you know, the bad thing about going into a hospital is once you go in, you lose all control. You have no really say-so. You have some say-so, but you, 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 you don't, you, doctors are doing things. Nurses are doing things. So they're all trying to help you. And they're trying to explain, but you're sick enough where you don't really know to understand everything that's going on. And the only thing you could do is get up and walk out, but you're too sick to do that. <laughs> so you pretty much let them do what they want to do. And, and so where in that, where do you place your trust? See, that's, that's something we all have to look at in everything we do. It's where do you place your trust? Is my trust placed in a system that has been stretched and almost broken because of two years of COVID? And I'm talking from what my, my daughter told me as a nurse. She said, be careful. She said, I'm, I'm praying for you because it's, 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 there's no accountability. You're there alone. Everything's going on. They're doing the best they can, but you have nobody there to, to, to be your advocate, really. So I'm blessed because I'm old and I know where my trust is, place my trust. I've been through the fire in many other situations. So I know that the only place I can place my trust is in the goodness of God, is in the, is in the fact that he's good. His goodness covers me. So although I really didn't have that much trust for doctors or nurses, I did have trust in his goodness, that his goodness would watch over me no matter what happened, no matter what was going on, and his goodness would give the wisdom to the doctors and the, and the, and the nurses to do what needed to be done when I didn't know what needed to be done, okay? So that being said, you know, I was able to sleep some and get there and finally got in the ICU. <clears throat> and I'll put up Romans 12, uh, to. See, we have to we have to constantly take our thoughts captive. We have to constantly renew our thoughts. Romans twelve two in the Passion. I love this verse. It's probably one of my favorite verses. Stop imitating the ideals and opinions of the culture around you but be inwardly transformed by the Holy Spirit through a total reformation of how you think. This will empower you to discern God's will as you live a beautiful life, satisfying and perfect in his eyes. You know, that's hard, isn't it? We have to constantly, to know that you have to constantly reform how you think. See, we're all born blind. We're all born blind. We're all born blind to the goodness of God. And we have to have our eyes opened by his love and by his presence to his goodness. And once we begin to have sight for his goodness, then we can begin to transform our mind. 
we can begin to reform the thoughts that we have. This is what we do in Sozo, really, all the time. Is Sozo, we try to connect you to the Holy Spirit, to the Father and Jesus, so that he can help you reform your thoughts. Reform the thoughts you have about yourself, the thoughts you have about God, the thoughts you have about others. And reform, reform, reshape the image of yourself into the image he sees of you. And so that's, that's what we do in Sozo. And that's what we as believers have to do daily as we live our life is to allow him to reform our thoughts, allow him to reform what we're seeing, allow him to reform how we feel about certain things. You know, stop imitating the ideas and opinions of the culture around us, but begin to reform our thoughts into the image and, and, and purposes of God. So that will empower us, and that's, that will empower you to go through any situation as you take captive the thoughts that are going in your mind and allow you to do this. Um, a couple of weeks before I got sick on Sunday morning, uh, we had a, a guest pastor from uh, England, and he talked about the 23rd Psalms, and I said, Oh, no, 23rd Psalms, you know the 23rd Psalms. We all know the 23rd Psalms. But this message and this, this uh, pastor was totally different. He said, try to take away everything you know about the 23rd Psalms. And try, you can put that one up there now. And try to make it as a prayer from David for realignment. It's not about death. It's totally about realignment. And it goes in with 12, uh, Romans 12 too. Yahweh is my best friend and my shepherd. I always have more than enough. David's going through hard times. He's praying this prayer of realignment, realigning his thoughts to the thoughts of God. He offers a resting place for me in his luxurious love. His tracks take me to an oasis of peace and near the quiet brook of bliss. That's where he restores and revives my life. He opens me, he opens before me the right path and leads me along in his footsteps of righteousness so that I can bring honor to his name. Even when your path takes me through the valley of the deepest darkness, fear will never conquer me, for you already have. Your authority is my strength and my peace. The comfort your love takes the comfort of your love takes away my fear. I'll never be lonely, for you are near. You become my delicious feast, even when my enemies dare to fight, to fight. You anoint me with the fragrance of your Holy Spirit. You give me all I can drink of you until my cup overflows. So why would I fear the future? Only goodness and tender love pursue me all the days of my life. Then afterwards, when my life is through, I'll return to your glorious presence to be forever with you. You take that prayer as a prayer of realignment, realignment. Then anytime you're going through anything, you can take that prayer. In fact, the, the guy said, you need to read this prayer, read 23rd Psalms every day and meditate upon it. And I had been doing that. 
So when I got in the hospital, this, 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 uh, the 23rd Psalms came up in my, in my spirit just to realign, to continue to realign my thoughts into what was going on. So the verse, even when your path takes me through the valley of deepest darkness, as I lay in the ER, I had no idea what was to come. Uh, COVID pneumonia had taken so many people. And the next few my lines are where I was able to find my rest. Fear will never conquer me, for you already have. Your authority is my strength and my peace. The comfort of your love takes away my fear. I'll never be lonely, for you are near. See, fear is always a thought away, just a thought away. There's fear that, that comes, and it's, it's, cre it's like it's creeping at your doorstep. Every day, some fear of something is after you. And the time we've lived in, all this stuff with COVID and everything else we're going on, it's been right there, just blatant everywhere. So if you allow it to take control of your thoughts, it'll overwhelm you. It'll totally overwhelm you. But if you understand and allow the Holy Spirit to guide you, you can conquer fear. First John four or John fourteen says there is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. So, we always talk in, about fear and faith, but faith only grows when the love has cast out fear. See, faith and fear are not the two opposites. It's fear and love are the two opposites. The love of God, the perfect love, cast out the fear. So when we stand on the love of God, no matter what happens, we know that God loves us, that God cares for us, then we can, we can cast out the fear and allow our faith to grow in that garden. Okay, so perfect love cast out fear. But how do we do that? Where, are you, where is your focus? You know, where, where is the focus of your life? Where is your focus right now? When you're in the hospital, where is your focus? You know, is it on death? Is it on fear? Is it on what's going on? You know, you have to constantly reform your thoughts, allow your thoughts to go back to God, the goodness of God, and allow him to reform and the, the love to cast out the fear. So, you know, I didn't, I'm not saying I didn't have fear. But I, I conquered fear. You know, every time fear would come cr crouching in my thought, I would go back to the goodness of God. And, and that allows me to, to, to walk through the storm in peace. So that, that, that can allow you to walk through any storm you have in the peace of God. Walking up here above it, looking down into it from the third heaven, not in the second heaven, where you're fighting against all the, all the demonic forces. But to do that, you've got to allow the love of God to cast out the fear. And, and to do that, you've got to stand on that rock that God is love, no matter what happens. No matter what happens, he is love. And he is good. And his goodness is everlasting. On the focus, you know, 
I'm in his hands. That's the focus. I am in his hands. Uh, you know, I was, I was praying for healing. Does that mean I was going to get healed and not die? I didn't know. But I was, I was trusting in his goodness, trusting in his love. And I knew, I knew, I had a peace that knew no matter what happened to me, I was good. You know, like Paul said, to live is Christ, to die is gain. You know, uh, it wouldn't necessarily be good for Cheryl or my kids. But, 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 uh, but for me, it was going to be good no matter what. And so I was at peace with that. So, you know. In fact, I started, th- I started thinking about what I needed to do to make sure think- Cheryl knew what to do about everything that, you know, that I hadn't done, that, <laughs> that she was going to have a hard time if I, if I had died. But uh, uh, anyway, so where is your focus? You can't allow the storm to touch you. You've got to go above the storm, and you can go above the storm. You don't have to go into all the fear mode. You don't have to go into all that stuff. You can walk through it, and you can walk through everything you know so I'm sitting there in, in the hospital and, and I'm sitting here with double pneumonia with pneumonia in both lungs and they say sepsis is all this stuff going on and uh, I'm thinking you know 12 years ago in the same month probably about 4 days earlier my first wife passed away for the same thing so I'm praying for my kids because I know they're freaking out Going, thinking about the same thing that their, their mom went through. And, and so, you know, it's like, I don't know. So, so, anyway, I was in the hospital, and I was trying to think on different things, and, and the Lord says, Tom, what is your legacy? What do you, what do you want to leave your kids? What are you going to leave your grandkids? And uh, I know it's not money, especially the way the stock market's going these days. <laughs> so, so, but... but uh, <laughs> But then again, the same thing, we have to look to God for our, 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 our substance, not the stock market, you know. So, but, but so he, he told me, he said, I want you to write some things for them, just some of the wisdom that you've gotten over the years, probably because you're old. But anyway, you've gotten it because you've lived a long time. And, uh, and, and that is a part of a legacy. So I want you to write a letter to all the grandkids. So basically what I'm doing is I'm sharing pretty much that letter that I've been, been writing to them. And it's not finished yet. I even add some more to it today as I was going to it. But, uh, but I'll send it to them and, and let them have it. Some of them are too young to read it right now, but some of them are in a perfect spot to read it right now. And it doesn't matter whether you're my age or older or younger. All these thoughts and things are things we've all dealt with and things we constantly deal with. And we have to, have to overcome them to do it. So, so the title of the message is Run Your Own Race. Really. Run Your Own Race. See, we're all different. We're all unique. We all have different DNA. We all have a, if you put us all together, we're, a, we're a, just a montage of who God is. You know, everyone, everyone, you know, is, a, is just a, a piece of what God has put here on the earth to represent him. And so we're all made up a part of what God has for us. And if we're going to run our destiny, if we're going to live our, do our destiny, then we have to allow God to help us to reach that destiny. And we have to allow him to 
show us what that destiny is. And I can't run Jake's destiny. I can't run Chris's destiny or Scott's destiny. I have to run my own because I'm unique, okay? And, and so we're all, we're all unique. And just because I'm doing this doesn't mean you shouldn't be doing that. You know, whether you're a painter, a pilot, a plumber, a nurse, a doctor, it doesn't matter. We're all called by God for what we're doing. And we're all called to be part of the body. And as part of the body, we, make, we fit and make the whole body. And so, you know, you have to run your own race. You have to be willing to do it. So how the problem is, before you can run your own race, before you can really run the race, you, you have to know who God is. You have to know that you can stand on the goodness of God. You have to know that he is for you, he's not against you. That he's not out to zap you every time you make a mistake. That he's not, a, he's not looking for you to be perfect. He's looking for you to be you. He knows you're going to make mistakes. He knows what your, your failures are going to be. He's with you and be with you through them. But we have to allow God's kingdom to come forth. So it's about the kingdom, it's not about religion. It's about the kingdom, it's not about the church. The church is a tool for the kingdom of God. You know, so many times we make the church the kingdom. And the church isn't the kingdom. The church is a tool. But, and who is the church? The church isn't the building. The church is you and me. The church is the body that we come forth to, to make the kingdom. But there's probably two ways that the church has caused many people to distrust God. Two major ways. One naturally and one theologically. Naturally, and, and you know, we, we in the church, we form a circular firing squad most of the time. And we'll say, ready, fire, aim, you know. And so, you know, we wind up shooting each other, wind up judging each other, wind up tearing other churches down, tearing our own churches down, because the church is made up of people, you know. And people don't live up to the standards that we think they should sometimes. Leaders don't live, live up to the standards we think they should sometimes. And we're all human. We all show, fall short of perfection. That doesn't excuse moral failure and abuse that's taking place in the church. I'm not excusing that at all. But we can't put our leaders up on a pedestal. That's where God goes, you know. He's up on the pedestal. The leaders are down here. They're trying to do the best they can, most of them, as good as they can, you know. And, and yeah, they'll fail. They'll fall. They'll fail. And when they do, hopefully, we can pick them back up and restore them and let them come back in, in leadership, you know, instead of shooting them and, and, <laughs> and, 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 and and, you know, it's terrible. I mean, in, in, in uh, St. Augustine, we go to Colonial Church. And Colonial is a, a Hillsong family church. Well, you know what's going on with Hillsong right now. I mean, you know, and, and I love uh, the pastors at Hillsong. And, and I don't know what went on, but I know most of the stuff, a lot of the stuff on the Internet is not true. 
you know, you, you can't believe everything on the internet. You know that, right? <laughs> yeah. So, but, but, you know, you've got to give grace and you've got to love. I mean, they did tremendous work and had two, two or more, two, few. Yeah, they failed, but we all fail. Our, but your, a leader's failure is put out there on display, you know, and that doesn't mean, I'm not, I'm not saying they, don't get me wrong, I'm not saying they shouldn't have responsibility. There should be accountability. There should be responsibility. And, all, and then, try, and then should give, they should also have grace, too. You know, accountability and grace go hand in hand. And so, you know, so naturally, the church has failed many people. Many people are hurt. I mean, many people here in this church have been hurt in other churches. We all have. We've all been wounded. We've all, you know, probably, if I had to say, tell something, especially if you're in leadership, the most important thing is your family. The most important thing is your family over any, anything the church does, anything you have to do in leadership, it's your family. Because if your family isn't healthy, if you wound your family, and I have, and I, I just, you know, I, I've, I've done things and gone places and started churches and done things that, that probably have wounded my family over the years. And I regret that to this day. Uh, but the, your family is the most important thing. That's where leadership starts, is in your family. Uh, life gets in the way so many times that we can't do what we need to do. You know, the only command Jesus gave us in the New Covenant, and Scott, you did a great job a couple of weeks ago teaching on covenant, and you ter just combining everything, you know, about 50 minutes was, that's tough. <laughs> it's hard to do. <laughs> yeah. But uh, God does operate in the covenant he's in, and he is in the New Covenant. And the only command, the only actual command that Jesus gave in the New Covenant was uh, John 13, 34, if you put that up there. A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another just as I have loved you. You are also to love one another. That's the only command that Jesus gave in the new covenant. Not, that's not even love your neighbor as yourself. It's higher than love your neighbor as yourself. It's love one another as I have loved you. And Jesus said, I represent the Father. If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. When did he judge anybody? When did he ever judge? He gave grace. He gave love. Yes, if we're going to bring people in as sinners to, and they're saved, then yeah, we need to disciple them. But we need to teach them to love God and let him love them. And as he loves them and as, as they know his love, then they'll, be, they'll change automatically because they'll be surrounded by his love and they'll want to change. So it's not about so many years of this, we got to do this, this, and this. It's about releasing and showing the love of the Father. And when the church starts doing that, then we'll see revival. We'll see, re we'll see reformation in the land when the church really begins to do that. So, you know, so the church is judged, and we've judged our leaders and so it's hurt so many people. Now, the second one is theologically that we have to understand. 
See, this is my pet peeve. Probably Cheryl knows. Most churches continue to teach, quote unquote, God is in control. Okay. They continue to teach that everything in life happens, is under the control, and basically caused by God. If that were the case, then when Julia passed away, my first wife passed away, God caused it. How could I love a God like that? How could I serve a God like that? I couldn't. He doesn't cause things. He's in charge. Yes, but he left us in control. He left the disciples in control. The disciples left the church in control. The church is us. So we are in control. If God is in control, then think about it. The devil is nothing more than his puppet doing what he wants to be done to bring people into alignment. You know, I could never love or worship a God like that. So if he is in control, what's he doing? He is in charge. That's a minor shift in, 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 in thinking in some ways, but it's a radical shift in how you see God. And I, I hate it when pa pastors, and they're good, and, they, and most of the time they really mean he's in charge, but they say he's in control. And by saying he's in control, then that leaves everyone in the congregation to blame God for every bad thing that happens. Okay. Because if God's in control, you know, he caused it. Well, we have free will. He left us for free will. He gave Adam and Eve free will. He put both trees in the garden, right in the center. Like I've told the school, you know, I taught on covenant. If it if had been me, I'd put the tree of good and evil up on Mount Everest. <laughs> you know. So we're... He, they'd had a hard time getting that tree. But God, because he wanted us to love him of our own free will, put the tree right there. So we had a choice. So we have a free will. We have, we have choices all the time. So if I choose to drink and drive, and I hit someone and kill them, God didn't cause that. I had the choice, and I chose a bad choice, and it caused a bad effect to somebody else. So we need to know that we, we have choices, and Satan still has free, free, some free reign here too. So are there are bad things that happen to good people, bad things that happen to bad people. God is in charge. Can God intervene? Yes, he can. You know, did he cause me to have COVID? No, he didn't cause it. Could he have healed me instantaneously? Yes, he could have. Did he? No. Why? I don't know. I asked him to. <laughs> but there's different ways to heal. See, I'm healed. I'm probably about 90% now. And, you know, I'm, I turned in my auction, finally got off the auction. After, after a month, I was 60%. You know, when I got out of the hospital, I was on auction. I could barely walk. It was like, you know, just, just, just going or moving around. Could hardly, hardly do anything. Now I'm walking two miles on the treadmill at about a 20-mile pace without auction. 
I'm, I've turned it all in. I'll know I'm healed when I can run three miles. Yeah. <laughs> and that's going to that's be hopefully in the next month. So, so, uh, so I, want, I want to do that and can't wait to, can't wait to do it. So, so he, those two areas are the two things the church has done wrong. Now, having said that, I'm all for the local church. We need the local church. We need the body. We need each other. See, we can all, you can be a Christian without going to church. You can love God without going to church. But can you be effective in the kingdom without going to church? I don't think so. I think to be effective in the kingdom of God, you really need a body. You really need to be part of a body. And hopefully part of a body that's going after the kingdom. You know, and, and, and releasing the kingdom and, and, and trying to see the, the, the presence of God come in every area of our life. It was funny. I always try to listen to the Holy Spirit, but most of the time when I'm shopping, I'm, I've got focus, focus. <laughs> so I, I'm a, Cheryl's a, a meanderer shopper. I'm a, I know what I want. I'm going to get it. I'm going to get out of there. <laughs> so, so yesterday we were at Walmart and, and, uh, and, we were checking out, and, and this girl came up. I was I was ringing up a beer, I was, you know, and and so you had to have you had to have uh, had to have somebody come and prove you're 21, to, you know, <laughs> to get it. And and the, so so she came over, and she was she was she was hurting, and a young girl. And I said, I just looked at her and said, "What's going on?" And she said, "My stomach." She said, "I had COVID." And the doctors say I have long COVID now, and it's, it's, I have stomach problems every all constantly. And you know, I think one thing about being in a hospital is just stored up more compassion for people who are who are sick. Because so I said, can we pray for you right there? We, we prayed for her for healing right there, and, and uh, I didn't see it, but hopefully God will you know God will touch her and heal her. But uh, you know, so I just believe that we should. Allow the kingdom to come wherever, wherever he sees us. So I've got to be more open to what he's going to do than, than just being so focused on getting my stuff and getting out of there. But uh, anyway, the <laughs> uh, we have to impact the community. You have to be surrounded by like-minded believers. And the best place to do that is local church. So here's the bottom line. We live in a world where Satan still has some control. Where we have freedom of choice, the church for the most part, and I don't talk about this church, I'm talking about the church in general, the church for the most part doesn't believe they have the power to change things, you know. But the gospel of the kingdom tells us that we are to bring the kingdom of God into our sphere, into the sphere of our lives, wherever that is, okay. That we are able to change the atmosphere around us, and he'll bring healing and joy and love to where we live. God is not in control. He has given that to us, the church, and believers to bring the change. So he is in charge, but he's not in control, guys. So the freedom of choice impacts us. But we have to know that he is, he is good. So, so to start out, start out running the race, 
you can't run the race without understanding his love and goodness so that you can stand on that rock, okay? So that should be your foundation in life. If you truly believe and trust that God is good and he loves you, then your love is not dependent. His love is not dependent on how good you are. His love is not dependent on what you do right or what you do wrong. His love is dependent upon his love and his goodness because he pours it out on you. Okay. Perfect love casts out fear. You can't run your own race with fear dominating you. Okay. We all fight fear. And here are some of the fears that I fought pretty much all my life. And I think most people probably do. Probably the strongest is the fear of failure. The fear of failure. We all want to be great at what we do. We all want to be seen as, as doing good stuff and as being the one that can do anything, you know. I remember in college I had a fear of flunking out, and I almost did, you know. Uh, that fear kept telling me I was worthless, you know, that I'd never, never amount to anything. When I was in pilot training, I had the same fear of flunking out, of washing out, not, not being able to, to do it. Uh, here's one truth for your life. If you live and you try to do what you want to do, eventually you're going to fail at something. And i tell you this, if you haven't failed at something, I'm not sure you're living. You know? So, so you're eventually going to fail at something. Um, if you don't fail, you're never going to complete your race. You know, we used to have a saying at school, you know, ministry, you, if you hadn't failed at least three times this year, you hadn't really tried, you know. And so you're all going, we're all going to fail at something. But if you don't go after the things that you want to go after, there's always going to be what ifs. What if I could have done that? What if I could have done that? If I, if I had not gone to pile training, because I was fear I was going to wash out. It'd be what if I could? What if I could have flown the plane? Or what if I could have gone to school? What if I could have done that? What, you know. So, fear of failure will keep you from doing what God's called you to do, if you allow it to. So, yeah, you might fail, but the only way you really fail is not getting up and trying again. You know. We all need to, to get up and continue to go after what, what God has for us. Uh, another fear is what will other people think? What will they think about me? You know, you think about what other people think about you a lot more than they think about you. <laughs> and the older you get, the more you realize that's true. <laughs> Living your life for other people will take you off the path you're supposed to be on. The truth is, people don't think of you as much as you think they do, you know. When we finally get to be my age, you realize that. Uh, we're all called to be something different. So, you're, you're unique. and You have a unique place in God's plan. So, embrace your uniqueness. Embrace who God's called you to be. Not who God's called Scott to be. You know, you don't have to be a Scott Thompson. You can be any, you can be a, a Cody Oliver. You know, you can be whoever, whoever you're called to be, 
You be who God's called you to be. I can't run your race just like you can't run my race. You know, you're not responsible for all the versions of you that rely in other, lie in other people's heads. Okay? You're not. You're not responsible for the versions of you that reside in other people's heads. Okay? You're only responsible for the version of you that God's put in your heart and opened, you, opened his love up to you to show who you are. Okay. Another thing that will cause you to get off course is jealousy and envy. There is always someone who is better than you at what you're doing. You're always going to find someone who's better than you at what you're doing. Or someone who's richer than you. Or someone who has that boat that you want. Or someone who has that house that you want. Or someone who has this or has that. You can't run their race. Be satisfied with what God's given you. And allow you to run the race that you've got and the calling that you have. So you never know what influence you have on others. You never know that when you come in to work with them, or, you know, even if it's, you know, whatever it is. You never know when you knock on the door to do something somewhere, what influence you're going to have on other people. Roll knows. He's, he's had a lot, I've heard testimonies from it, you know. So you can have influence wherever you are, no matter what you're doing. You have to have to be happy with yourself and not be jealous of others. It'll ruin you. It'll, it'll tear you up. Um. One of the best things you can do to run your race is follow your peace. You know, so what does that mean? We all hear God. You know, you might not think you do, but we all hear him. Sometimes it just comes by knowing your peace, knowing the peace of God within you about a decision that you're making. I've learned that the hard way over that in a long time. Uh, normally, at the, in, the early, in the early 2000s, I took early retirement from Delta as they were going into bankruptcy. And, and uh, I knew they were going to take part of my retirement away, so I had to get as much as I could when I could. And so after I retired, I had the opportunity. I was selling real estate down in the Gulf and had, had a condo and had the opportunity to invest in some more condominiums. We were flipping people... Real estate agents were making more money flipping condos than they were selling condos at that time. It was in 2004, 2005, 2006. So, sure. I, I had one condo, and it sounded good. I had a piece about that one. But then I had partners, and they were wanting me to invest, invest in more. And so I did, but without a piece. I didn't have a piece about it. Well, about that time, Hurricane Ivan hit, wiped out three of them. By the time we got them built back up to where we could flip them, the market had crashed. And so we, I lost a lot of money at that time, over, those, over, those, over that time. But if I'd followed my peace, I probably wouldn't have. So follow your peace, listen to your spouses, Listen to your 
wise counsel from your friends and, 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 and just uh, let God direct you, you know. Uh, that goes along with um, the next one, which you need to understand your strengths and weaknesses. You know, a lot of times our, our, our strongest area can also be our, weak cause, be our weakest area because we know our strength and we use it so much that we'll be weak in it. We'll allow that a blind spot to be in our, in our heads and be weakness. I know some people, both my wives that I've lived with, would call me impulsive. <laughs> impulsive and and, uh, and impetuous, I guess. <laughs> and and uh, I would say that I know that I'm quick to make a decision. <laughs> and, and sometimes it's right, sometimes it's wrong. But I'm never hesitant to pull the trigger. <laughs> but uh, uh, but over the years, I've learned to listen to the one who's not so impulsive. Because I realize sometimes that flexibility and impulsiveness can be a great asset, but it can also be a great weakness. So I need to balance that with listening, listening to my spouse as the Holy Spirit uses her <laughs> in my life. So, yeah. <laughs> As the spouses all agree. It's funny, and sometimes it could be the male spouse, you know, it could be either one. It's funny how God, God gives us sometimes the opposite of what we are to help balance us in our life. So don't, you know, so if you're married, it's a partnership. It's not that I'm doing this and I don't care what you say. It's really, it's a part, it's, if you want to have a good marriage, you have a good partnership, you know. And you listen to each other, and you bounce, bounce things off of each other, and get wise counsel, and that's a good thing. Uh, one of the hardest things to do, especially for young people, is be present in the moment you're living. You need to be present in the moment you're living in. Sure, we want to have kids, or we want to have them go to college, or we want to have retirement. But remember, life is in the journey, not the destination. And if you're always, I want to move from this apartment to this house, I can't wait till I get this house, then you're going to enjoy life in the apartment. If you're waiting to have kids, you're not going to enjoy life if you have kids. Or if you're waiting for the kids to get out of the house, you're not going to enjoy life till the kids get out of the, <laughs> while the kids are there. So be present in the moment you're at. Um, whether it's looking ahead to the next job, the next house, you name it. We spend so much time thinking about that that we don't live where we're at. And so we need to live, enjoy life to the fullest. You only have today. You, you're, yesterday is gone. We can't live with yesterday. In fact, if you're living in yesterday's failures or yesterday's things, you're, you're, you're communing with the dead, you know, basically. That's gone. And we're not promised tomorrow. You know, I, I was on the sick with COVID. I could have died, but I could have died anywhere, anytime. We all could. We don't have tomorrow. We have today. 
God said, I'm the guy, I, I am, I am. He didn't say I was, he didn't say I will be. He says, I am. He's the God of today with us. So enjoy life to the fullest today. Knowing that he has a plan for tomorrow, and you want to, but we have to go enjoy the journey. Don't let the past rob you of the present. Don't let the past focus. Focusing on the past, no matter what, no matter whether you're looking at your failures or your successes from the past, focusing on them will rob you of what's going on right now for today. So focus on today, not the past. Um, another one, never stop learning. You stop learning, you stop living. Really. Uh, you, get, you never get too old to learn your things. You know, I, up until December, I was teaching, teaching uh, air, you know, pilots about in seven thirty-seven, teaching them, teaching them things I never flew, teaching them things I never did, and I had to learn those things. I had to learn how to do them before I could teach them. But you never stop, you know, never grow too old to stop learning about life. See, I need you. The young, I, need the, I need the young people to teach me as much as I can teach them because I can teach them my, from my experience and what, you know, like I'm doing right now, but they can teach me from, what, from how they see the world that I haven't seen. That I haven't seen the world in that way. And, and that can shift my perspective. So we need each other. It's not just about the old teaching the new young it's about the young teaching the old too we all learn from each other and if you can't learn from someone and you're not teachable you're not going to be good to anybody <laughs> really and, and and you'll just you'll just if you're not teachable you're going to fall away you're going to fall away I, and to be honest with you uh, i won't go there because i have no <laughs> no, clue, no clue but i think if you're not teachable, I think some of the old, oh, as you get older and you become less teachable, you begin to isolate yourself and pull yourself more and more away. And that's where dementia and other things can come from and can, can hit harder than they would otherwise. So that's why I always like to be around young people. You know, we, went, I went to my, we went to our, my 50th high school reunion, and I told Cheryl, why are we here with all these old people? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. So we didn't stay very long. <laughs> but uh, anyway, so, so that's how we grow. Another one is be flexible. Be willing to embrace change. Change is inevitable, guys. Change happens. Change is part of life. Uh, the more you can enjoy the changes that constantly surround you, the better off you're going to be. As a flight instructor, I always told my students, now, listen, I flew this, I flew the 737 in 2000 and 2001. Uh, you know, 2001, yeah, 2002 also. And then I instructed on it from 2007 to 2022. And so that same plane for about seven, 20 years, and I, I said I would always start 
my class with the, with the students saying, we don't change the questions, we just change the answers. The questions have been the same for the last 20 years. The answers continue to change because, because things happen. Technology changes, the airplanes change some, the, what we're, how we're doing things have changed. So it's, all, it's so true. I could, I could go, I could line up and I say, remember this, remember this, remember this. We don't do it like that way anymore. We do it this way. Question's still the same. The answers have changed. Okay. Answers change based upon many things. The last one is don't forget to dream. Okay. Dream big, but dr I want to say this. There's, two, there's one lie that sounds good, but really it's not true. If you dream it, you can do it. Well, I dreamed I ran the Boston Marathon in three hours. There's no way I'm ever going to be able to run the Boston Marathon in three hours. So if you dream it, you can do it. It's not necessarily true. If you have aligned yourself with God's purpose in your life and allow him to give you the dreams, you can do it. You can do it. You can do anything if you're, that God is lined up for, with his purpose for your life. But so many times, we don't listen to God. We don't listen to his purpose. We aren't trying to find out his purpose. So if you're trying to figure out what you want to do with your life, begin to ask God, what purpose do you have for me? What's my purpose? What's my destiny? And then show me the dreams. And the dreams will be much bigger than anything you, can, anything you think you can do. But if you, if you are aligned with him and his purpose, then you can do it if he, if he gives you the dream. Because if he gives you the dream, he'll, he'll enable you to do it. He'll give you the resources. He'll provide it. He'll make it happen. So if you go continue to dream, don't, don't dream small. Don't dream small. Even if you're as old as I am, don't dream small. Keep dreaming. It might be you dreaming for your grandkids. It might be you dreaming for this or for that. But keep dreaming. Because God has a purpose for you. And he's not through with you yet. He's not finished with you yet. Okay? Finally, be true to yourself and walk in integrity. Okay? Be true to yourself and walk in integrity. Every time, every morning you look in the mirror, men, got, men are shaving Women are fixing their hair, putting on makeup. Who do you see in the mirror? Am I true to myself? And have I walked in integrity? That's what, that's what you, my dad told me that years and years ago. I said, how do you, he was, he was a vice president, commercial lending at a bank, did all these big stuff. And I said, how do you, do, how do you make, the, make the decisions every day? And he said, so I try to walk in integrity and every, every morning when I look in the mirror. I ask myself, am I doing the right thing? Have I done the right thing every day? So, if you, so love God. Stand on the rock of his goodness and his love. That he knows you. That he's, he's called you for his purpose. That he loves you more than you could ever know. Than you could ever love. And then, don't walk in fear. Let the perfect love cast out the fear. Be who you are, who he's called you to be, 
and walk in integrity. Let's stand. So, I just want to pray for us, and then let the prayer team go. Uh, if you're younger, especially if you're if you're looking at your careers and looking at what God's called for you to be, you know, my my thing is don't worry. He's got a plan. He's got something for you. He's got something lined up for you. You just have to walk into it. So, Father, I just pray right now for each of us here, no matter how old we are, that we would be willing to reform our thoughts according to your purposes and according to your plans and according to your callings, Lord. That we could reform our thoughts about who we are, reform our thoughts about who you've called us to be, reform our thoughts about who you are, oh God, and allow us to move and be and walk in the destiny that you've called us to do, Father. And we just release that in Jesus' name.